Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi everyone, Master Jedi Colleen here, co-host of Bohemian Geek Studies and yet another Star Wars podcast. But I'm not only a podcaster, I'm also an author. My second novel was published last fall and it debuted as number one horror novel on Amazon, which was really cool. If you like Stephen King, weird happenings in small towns or just looking for a new writer, give my novel The Falls a try. It's set in Minnesota where everyone wears that nice facade. Nothing is ever what it seems. Find the Falls by Colleen McMillan on Amazon and the Between the Lines publishing website. And welcome to episode 121. That's right, 121 episodes. I just like to say 121 because it's Okay, I was going to say, is that a say. special number? No, it's just a fun number. 121, 121. Today is 2222 as we record this. Ooh. Anyway, it's 121. <laughs> what are we drinking? <laughs> we are drinking... Rage Against the Teddy Bear from Brewery Legitimus, <laughs> which is located in New Hartford, Connecticut, directly across from the Farmington River. Also, I'm pretty sure you didn't actually say the name of this podcast or who we are. Oh, sh- we're cracking <laughs> one open with Mike and Elise. And I'm Elise. I'm Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. They clicked on the button. That's true. Those are just you formalities. You guys know who we are by now. <laughs> and if you're not, if you don't, welcome. I usually say the name of the... Uh, Show at the beginning. Yep. So, according to an article in the Register Citizen back in 2015, Chris and Christina Sayer, owners and founders of Brewery Legitimus, opened their doors in 2016 after years of planning. At this point, Chris already had several years of experience in the beverage industry and had been brewing beer for more than a decade. So, let's backtrack just a little bit. While at Ohio Wesleyan University in the 90s, Sayer spent a semester in Belgium. And actually, I'm just realizing that like they had to specify the Ohio Wesleyan University specifically because we're in Connecticut and there's another Wesleyan. It's weird that there's two. Are they the same? Are they like that's just an Ohio campus? I'm pretty sure that the Wesleyan in Connecticut is like a female college. Or it started out. Maybe as... it started out, but Ted from How I Met Your Mother went to Wesleyan. Oh, I forgot about so, that. So that's not true. Ted okay. and Marshall. Huh. Okay. Sorry, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just made that connection. Um, <laughs> so he was studying political science and international studies, but furthered his education in beer and how it helps helps to foster friendship. Following two years in the Peace Corps, Sayer went on to work as a sales rep for Massachusetts Bay Brewing and later worked for Duvel Mortgott, uh, selling brands like Amagang. Ooh. 
He also spent five years with the Coca-Cola company, which I thought you would appreciate. (laughs) So needless to say, he had some experience under his belt. After completing a Master of Business Administration at the University of Hartford, he focused- That's an MBA, folks. (laughs) (laughs) He focused his plans for a brewery starting as early as 2013. The Legitimus name is inspired by the Collins Company, which from 1826 to 1966 made edge tools in Collinsville, which is apparently a village of Canton, Connecticut- Uh, and used the moniker with a crown and hammer logo. Sayer said using the name is about much more than a local connection. The company was the premier maker of edge tools in the world, so Brewery Legitimus' logo borrows from the Collins Company insignia while adding images of hops and bald eagles, the latter of which was inspired by America's national symbol, one often seen flying over the home of Brewery Legitimus. So apparently they have a bald eagle. Quote, there also are guardians and protectors of good beer, Sayer said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And just as a side note, as I mentioned, this article was written in 2015. There were some fun little tidbits sprinkled in there uh, that I wanted to to mention. There were about 25 to 30 established breweries in the state at the time. Several contract brewers and about six brew pubs with about six to ten more breweries in development Mm. fast forward 20 to 22 and we have like what probably going on 150 probably was even more brew pubs like absolutely over 100 and probably going on 150 and i'm sure those like six in development ones some of them are closed by now yeah unfortunately it's a crazy change in the winds in terms of craft beer it's true So in more recent news, Brewery Legitimus has done some pretty amazing things to give back to their community. In 2018, they teamed up with Barden Farm, a local farm, to offer a CSA, which, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, community-supported agriculture with a weekly selection of beer, cheese, and produce. I was one of the people that didn't know what a CSA was. So, well, okay. So do you remember um, a couple of years ago, my parents got that, would get that weekly basket from Robert Treat Farm? Yeah. The dope farm box. Yeah. Yeah. That's a CSA. That's community supported agriculture. Yeah. That's cool. It's a really neat system. If you have a CSA like available to you locally, you just get like a big box of the freshest produce that they have every week. It's pretty awesome. Highly recommend. Especially if there's corn involved. Fresh (laughs) corn. Um, Yeah. So then back in April 2020, they had a fundraiser to benefit food share and raised almost $10,000, which is impressive in and of itself. Then fast forward to 2021, when a fire all but destroyed the historic New Hartford House, which was constructed in 1850. 10 of the 14 residential units in the building were occupied at the time, as well as five commercial units, all gone in the blaze. So Christina Sayer thought, well, they raised $10,000 before. Why not try again? But this time, the community outpouring of generosity was overwhelming. They reached $10,000 in one day. Whoa. And ended up with a total of $31,550 to give back to the town's neighbor to neighbor fund to help both the people and the businesses displaced by the fire. Nice. Like that's crazy. That's pretty cool. So anyway, 
The brewery and tap room for Legitimus resides in an approximately 3,500 square foot of space in the former Waring factory building on Main Street. And the Waring, Waring or Waring, I'm not sure, uh, factory previously used the space to manufacture kitchen appliances like blenders, mixers, food processors, grills, griddles, toasters, etc. Um, it actually looked like Con Air was planning on buying them at one point to fold into their Cuisinart division. But then an article from a year later announced that Waring was just being closed down. So that was kind of unclear what happened to that building like in the interim. But anyway, <laughs> here, Brewery Legitimus says, we have built a warm and inviting community tap room and an airy beer garden perfect for large gatherings or for meeting new friends and, of course, tasting great beers. We are currently expanding to an additional 4,700 square feet built to house larger and private events. And Rage Against the Teddy Bear, <laughs> which is what we're drinking today, they say, sometimes the teddy bear is so cute and adorable that you just have to squeeze the stuffing out of it. <laughs> I don't understand how that's raging against the teddy bear, but... Uh, I don't think the teddy bear likes it. True. That's fair. Um, so it is a hazy double New England IPA clocking in at 7.5... At 7.8 ABV, it's hopped with New Zealand hops like Waiiti and Motuega. So this beer is bursting with flavors of juicy, ripe plums, mangoes, a splash of blood orange, and a hint of lime with very low bitterness. I'm going to be looking for that blood orange. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. And the plum, actually. I haven't had plums in forever. I love yeah, plums. It's true. So... Motueka hops are considered New Zealand's version of a noble hop. It's a cross between Saz and two other New Zealand varieties, making this hop a triploid or seedless hop. While New Zealand was experimenting with breeding this hop, a Belgian brewery just started using it and calling it Belgian Saz or B Saz. But to avoid confusion, now it's just called Motueka. It is New Zealand's second most popular hop behind Nelson Salvin one of my personal favorites mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the nose. Motueka has a bright, lively citrus quality of lemon and lime, along with some tropical floral and stone fruit. But the tropical fruit really comes through more prominently in its flavor, along with floral and spicy or herbal notes like rosemary and even basil. Hmm. Which I don't think we've ever actually been R able to like suss out from a beer. No. Never been able to suss out rosemary or basil. <laughs> Those are seasonings. But now I'm going to have to try to suss out rosemary yep. and basil. Sorry. So Waiiti was released to brewers in 2011 alongside Kohatu hops, which we've talked about before. It's a triploid hop with Hallertaro Mittelfra in its parentage and the Liberty hop as its grandparent. It features higher beta acids than alpha acids low cohumulone, and a robust oil content. This creates a rounded, clean bitterness when used in single-hopped beers. And Y.E.T. brings a citrusy splash of lime and mandarin, as well as stone fruit flavors like fresh peach and ripe apricot. And this hop actually really helps to bring out the stone fruit flavor when it's used as a mid-to-late addition. Ooh. And that's what I got. You ready to crack it open then? Uh, I'd say so. Sweet. <laughs> All right. 
Are you ready to crack this open? I don't know. I might need your help. I cut my nails and I cut them really <laughs> short when I cut my nails. Oh, boy. All right. Let's try this. Oh, oh you got it. I'm so proud of that you. That hurts so much. That was my skin opening oh, that up pretty much. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my fault. But I won't stop cutting my nails too short. Nope. Cut them to the skin. Can't stop. Won't stop. Yeah, this is pretty much exactly what I expected the color yeah. to be. It is quite hazy. Oh, we should have rolled them. Our bad. And holy head. It smells strong. It is 7.8. <laughs> smells strong. Somebody doesn't usually smell strong. Ooh, it kind of does. Yeah, I'm gonna ooh, I'm gonna have to wait for this head to go down. Very fluffy and lacy. Very foamy lacy. Kind of most IPAs are though, or hazy IPAs are. Yeah, that's true. Lotta. Sediment. A lot of sediment. Well, I don't know about a lot of sediment, but very thick sediment. Yeah. Fish food. It is. Yeah, I can literally see it like settling to the bottom. So this it is very hazy. Is when I say strong, it's like it smells of like it's got a rubbing alcohol kind of scent to it. Really? Which I don't. I don't know if I dig the smell. I don't get that. But I'm also like all foam. You're all foam, yeah. Mine's a little closer to the beer. I get a little bit of that fruitiness though, too. I mean, I'm sure that's not what it's going to taste like, but it is not a, it's not a smeller. <laughs> but not all beers have to be. Some Summer's beers just taste like, smell like yeast. Uh, Lisa now has her finger in the beer and she is stirring it, thinking it's going to get the bubbles gone. But really, it's just making it's her look kinda, really weird. It kind of worked. <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh, man. Anyway. You're drinking some foam. Here we go. Uh, all right. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, that is one of the weirdest beers I've ever had. Yeah. Yep. It's very soft. Super soft. Like a teddy bear. So I totally oh, understand. And the fluffy head. Yep. And the color is kind of teddy bearish. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's not bad. It's very different. It's super it's not what fucking I, not what weird. I expected. I'm definitely getting the citrus. I guess I get the plum. I get the plum pretty good. Yeah. I'm I, trying I to honestly, get the I want to get the spices though. Oh, you're not going to get that. <laughs> no, we never do. The plum is like right there though. I get the plum big time. Even if you didn't tell me plum, I would be like there's this weird fruit and I would I would come to it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, because it is so unique. It's definitely, it's not anything, it's not like any other stone fruit. I'm getting a little bit of apricot, but definitely more plum. I'm getting a little apricot, but it's not much, which is nice in a double IPA where it's almost always yeah. apricot. Yeah. And that's it. And you're just like, ugh. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if we've had, have we had double IPAs that exclusively use New Zealand hops So. No, I think this might be a new animal. So that's why I picked this one out, guys. That's right. This time <laughs> I didn't go for a history lesson because I knew Elise was doing the research. And also <laughs> because it was New Zealand hops and a double IPA. Yeah. <clears throat> In a New England style IPA. Like a hazy. Yeah. It's. Uh, and that's why it's so freaking weird. Weird. In a good way. Yeah. It's not. Any kind of double IPA you're going to have in most places, at least not that I've had yet, not that we go looking for double IPAs kind of, but mm -hmm. 
It's got a plum note. Followed by a little bit of a plasticky note. Those rubber yeah. blow up balloon things I was talking. Yep. I always talk about. It's that got would a be, little that bit would of honestly that. be my biggest complaint with double IPAs in general is that kind of tendency to lean a little bit of plasticky. <laughs> yeah, some of them have that. Not all of them. Some of them are, are able to skirt that by, but this does have yeah. that kind of plasticiness to it, which is eh. Tribe has had that for a long time early on. And now I think they've tweaked whatever recipes they were using. Uh yeah, they, although they don't really get that their anymore. Triples kind of have that a little bit. I feel like that's yeah. kind of unavoidable once you get up into triple when territory. Triple territory. Yeah, this is very unique. The softness is nice. Yes. It doesn't have as much because the it's, smell, I will say the smell of this is disgusting. I do not like the smell of this beer at all. Most. Uh, no, I got to be honest. This is a bad smelling beer. <laughs> um, But the taste is not as bad as the smell. Just don't smell it when you drink it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like horrible or anything, but it's not like appetizing. it's off putting. Yeah. It's a little off putting. Um, but the taste doesn't represent that at all. It's the softness of this beer is awesome for a mm-hmm. double. It reminds me of Sloop Juice. Yeah. In the mouthfeel. Yeah. Sloop, which is an amazing, amazing oh my God. beer. Yeah. Especially uh, in the summertime. <sighs> yeah. If you haven't had Sloop Juice Bomb, get Sloop Juice Bomb. It's the bomb. <laughs> uh, but yeah. No, I would say it does have that same kind of pillowiness as Sloop Juice Bomb for mm-hmm. sure. In a double IPA. But Sloop Juice Bomb is just a regular up there though, right? I think it's just a regular IPA. They they do make a double version of it. I was I'm pretty sure Sloop Juice mistaken. Bomb was a high alcohol content though, regardless. Mm, I want to say like six five. Yeah, six five seven, something like that. It's it's no, up there. not seven. Mm, mm, mm. You keep talking, I'll check. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that word rubberiness kind of Goes away the more you drink it. But regardless, it never has that like, oh, this is too strong kind of taste. Although it is 7.8, so it hasn't reached, I think, the 8.0 or above threshold where it like really gets strong. And like, I don't think it's it's unavoidable that you're going to be like, oh, this is strong. Uh, but. Juice Bomb is 6.5. All right, you're right. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's got this nice pillowiness to it, which doesn't like bring itself toward a, a double IPA. It does have a sweetness. It's not super sweet. No, it's not that artificial sweetness that makes you like, that makes your tongue dry and yeah, fuzzy. It's not like cloyingly <laughs> sweet. I will say though, that that sweetness of a, of like the artificial sweetness in a double IPA mm-hmm. or even a double IPA like this, which is still sweet as well, mm-hmm. go great with um, wings. Oh, okay. They go okay with sweet wings because it kind of goes together, but I think these are some of the best beers to have with spicy wings. Like, straight up hands, like, it's just hands down the best for wings, I think, mm. are these kind of beers right here. Like, this would be great with some spicy wings right now. Oh. Uh, I mean, it makes sense, theoretically. I just don't. <laughs> you just don't participate. I don't partake. <laughs> but no, the teddy bear comparisons are really, like, it's a soft beer. Mm-hmm. For a double too. And it's that haze. It's it's the use of haze that is a really good use of haziness. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, the, there's a lot of flack for hazy beers, like hazy IPAs, especially yeah. hazy New England's, especially within the last couple of years, because everyone kind of glommed onto the trend. 
especially two years time. ago. That was like everybody. And then it kind of, it's died down you, really it's quick. It's all you could find. Yeah. It got annoying. <laughs> but it calmed down really quick. It's it was true. a trend that because I think too many people latched onto, mm-hmm. it was like, all right, we're done. We're done with this. Kind of like sours four or five years ago. Yeah. Like about four years ago, we're like, everyone's got to do a sour. Mm-hmm. And now sours are kind of lesser. They're not like all over the place. Yeah. I think that's better because- there were some bad sours out there. That's what I was going to say is like people, the the people who are doing sours now are kind of like better at it. Like right, they, yeah. they kind of like stayed in their lane. I also almost <laughs> wonder if a lot of people ruined their breweries by making sours and weren't prepared oh, for it. Oh shoot. Because you know That's how the bacteria is different in the sour. Yeah. It's very costly if you, you're not doing yeah. it right. You can ruin your every batch that you have in your whole system because the mm-hmm. same, if you have uh, pipes that run through all your kegs, yep. that sour can destroy it. But that's a another episode. That's a tangent. The sour trend kind of led into the hazy trend because mm-hmm. I feel like it was like the other way around. Yeah, kind of like a correction almost. <laughs> and like everyone did it. Um, and I remember two roads brought out cloud sourced, and that was like the the peak of it was mm-hmm. right at around cloud source. But someone did one beforehand that was really big as well. Yep. Uh, and then around here, at least two roads did cloud sourced, and then everyone had this hazy IPA or numerous hazy IPAs. I think even two roads had like two or three out at the same time yep. once it just got ridiculous. Yeah. And I liked them, but yeah, I wasn't like the, Oh, you know, if you like hazy IPAs, you're just a hipster who says he likes them or, mm-hmm. and I wasn't like, I like every hazy IPA because honestly, if you Some liked of them, them all, sucked. you were a hipster. Some of them were the worst. Yeah. Uh, it really was like, you have to know what you're doing with the hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Then things settled down. And I think the people that kept doing hazy IPAs were the ones that learned how to do it right. Yeah. Where the customers actually liked them and didn't just order them as a fad thing. Uh, and I think this one is one of those kind of beers where it's it's a good hazy IPA and does mm-hmm. hazy right. Hazy should give you that soft pillowy mouthfeel, but it shouldn't just be filled with this sediment crap and too much flavor that is just like unprocessed beer. Like granted, this does have a lot of sediment at the end. My last sip is going to be tough, <laughs> but yeah. that's a lot of beers. Even even non hazy sometimes have that kind of sediment. Um, but what they do is, a, I think it's masking that smell. It smells strong. Mm-hmm. The reason it doesn't taste strong is because of that haziness. Yeah, the hazy, that pillowy feel is what helps it be great with wings or food in general. Like I think beer and stuff, it helps it hold up while not taking away from the food that you're eating it with. Yeah. I think this would be great for any kind of spicy wing, sweet wing. It would complement. They might not go together cause it's sweet and sweet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I love Coca-Cola, but people don't realize on this podcast, or maybe I have mentioned it before. I'm sure you have at some point. If I was left on a desert Island or they're like, you can only drink one drink other than water, obviously, cause you need water to live. Yeah. <laughs> drink responsibly. <laughs> you can only have one beverage for the rest of your life. It would be Coca-Cola. It would not be beer. I'm going to be honest right now, right now on this podcast, straight up would be Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's because I have a problem and I admit that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have Coke with a super sweet wing, it sucks. And I think, oh, yeah, well, oh. this isn't as sweet as like a Coke or a soda, but I don't think they really go together. Yeah. Um, but the spicy wing would definitely complement. Barbecue would complement. Uh, yeah. Most some. Smoky barbecue sauces would complement, not sweet barbecue sauces. Okay. Um, 
I think this would be fine with dessert. Um, because I think the dessert would outsweet the beer. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're having. I could see this for some desserts, but honestly, I would never have. If I still had this, well, by dessert, I mean like that's the thing. We don't ever have dessert when we go out. I know. So, I mean, that's mostly because most restaurant desserts are kind of like stuff you can make at home. They're not yeah. really that fancy. It's They're kind just of a waste like, of $10. <laughs> in most places, it's just like glommed on, like, oh, we got this microwave brownie with a scoop of ice cream on top. Yeah. Uh, but if I were to get it and we had it, mm-hmm. this would be fine if I, because I would have this beer left over from what I was eating food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on what the yeah. dessert is. I don't think it would be good with fish. No. Chicken, it would depend on the topping you put on it. General, most chicken, no. It would really have to depend. If you put like a sauce on it, it would depend. But most barbecue foods. It'd be fine with a burger too. Yeah, because burgers are salty. Yeah, Mm -hmm. any kind of salty food. Mm -hmm. Potato chips. Yep. Pretzels. Fries. fries. Oh, fries. This would be great with fries. Mm. Onion rings. Because this could support, like onion rings are such a dense flavor. This I think would be great with onion rings too. Oh, I could see that. Even though onion rings are like actually sweet. A little sweeter, but they're not super sweet mm-hmm. and they're still very salty and onion rings have a hard taste to them. Yeah. Well, not a hard taste, but like a, a strong taste. This could actually kind of hold up, hold up against it. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking like Buffalo Wild Wings onion rings. Like the thicker ones. The thick, thick ones. Yeah. yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings, by the way, they make some good onion rings. Yeah. They do fried foods, right? <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, because it's a double IPA, this is a great food beer. Yeah. Which, granted, you should be having food when you have this double IPA. Considering it's almost 8%, yes. Which, (laughs) this is a beer that you should have with food because I think this complements all types of food. It's true. Would you like to talk about the can, sir? Which is probably part of the reason you chose this. So, A, I had known about Brewery Legitimus for a while, and I could not for the life of me remember if I had anything from them. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, like, I've I've seen this name for a very long time. We follow them on Instagram. I don't know if we've ever had anything <laughs> by them, although I'm fairly certain they were at the Sours uh, Fest at yes, Bad Sons I think last they were. year. So maybe we had a sample from them. They if- were probably Dope Sours. But the thing is, I don't. Most re- of them were. I don't remember if they showed up. Remember, there were so many cancellations because it was like the first event in Connecticut after COVID. Mm, I feel like they would have because I th- I'm pretty sure I saw that on a tent. Okay. This logo. Okay. Um, but I could be wrong. But yeah. So maybe we've had them before. I do know the the people that showed up for the April Sours event. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody brought their A game. Yeah. Oh my god. There that were was very few bad sours. So I can't fun. wait to go back next year. Yes. These those sours were. Amazing. Um, but yeah, the can itself is kind of eye-popping because it's so fancy. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. It it's does. like you're it in a nice fancy. hotel. That's what it looks like. It's like a nice hotel left you two beer cans, and this would be the logo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's striped. Uh it's it's a wraparound can glued. Uh my can is glued poorly. Your can oh. looks like it's glued pretty nicely. Yeah, you got a little uh, bit of an air bubble. I got those two air bubbles. Basically, it's brew legitimus on the top half, uh, and it's goes down. I would say sixty percent of the way into two stripes, black and a shiny marble maroon color, which yeah, is really it's nice, like almost holographic. Yeah, it shines. It's definitely not matte. It is holographic. 
the brew legitimates on the top half, all black, matte black, mm-hmm. which is a nice With contrast. With that gold that really the pops. gold popping like bronze crown with a hop in the middle and two eagles flocking it on the crown and that's his brewery on top and legitimus is just in really nice times new roman font bold Mm -hmm. just like really fancy nice and then below that is that shiny um marble color and it says rage against the teddy bear double new england ipa Uh, and that's done in just like kind of blocky font very nice still and the sheen and the shine and the fanciness of the bottle is definitely what caught my eye. Mm-hmm. That and the fact that I knew we hadn't had it. And I think the word legitimus, like brewery legitimus, the fact that it's not legitimus brewery or legitimus brewery company, brewery legitimus makes it sound Roman. It makes it sound official. It makes it sound fancy. It makes it sound historical. And that I think, and we, I, 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 Tell everybody about the can art every time because I think it's important in terms of marketing and advertising. Oh, and absolutely. Getting your name out there. And I think the na- this brewery above all. So this is the logo that they're borrowing from with the crown. So they just took the crown. Yeah. Which is fine. And the fact the word legitimus. And legitimus, yeah. That's underneath their, their crest, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's Brewery Legitimus, everyone's a brewing company. Everyone's a something brewery. Mm-hmm. Brewery Legitimus, it's Roman. It's fancy. It's powerful. And I think that adds power to your name and adds power to your brand and adds power to your advertising and your logos and your labels. You're oh, yeah. different. You stand out. You're not something to be trifled with. And I think that's something that drew my eye to it as well as this like dominant name of brewery legitimate i think like that just simple putting the brewery name over the actual name really solidifies it as something that's serious about what they do Mm -hmm. and i think that's really cool uh and the logo and stuff like that but then also to have this kind of very serious beer or beer can and beer can logo and just be like very matter of fact about it and fancy and then have a name called rage against the teddy bear is another like amazing thing it's like it's such like (laughs) we did lizard king and like lizard king was so like hard rock just like (laughs) like jack black was taking his heart out kind of a thing (laughs) and like the the cartoon photo the lizard king fighting something else it was so cool this kind of goes the opposite way but gives you that funny name with that seriousness and it's so ridiculous that the the contrast of the name to the can. That's what drew you to it. You just can't be like, what? <laughs> there were like, because there were a couple of brewery legitimacies. But yeah, this is the only one that really caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Granted, I would try them all, but this is the one that I was like, oh, yeah, this this is this, this is-, is the one we're doing. Uh, or this is one I hope we were doing. And I had to check the hops to make sure that it was something interesting. But- yeah. And like yeah. total win because not only is the name awesome and ridiculous, but we both love New Zealand hops. So this was that's just why I chose. A, yeah. yeah, I figured it'd be interesting. Uh, it's got that independent craft logo on mm-hmm. the right, which we always love mm-hmm. or I always love. Brewed and canned by Brewery Legitimus, New Hartford, Connecticut. Keep cold and drink fresh. Hopped with white tea and matueka imparting notes of ripe plums, mangoes and hints of blood orange and lime. I guess not say, really getting the blood orange or lime. Can't get the blood orange or lime. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram logos up top. Recycle legitimately. I like that. 
Uh, and then the left side just has their website and other info, government warning info. But their government warning info is still done in a really fancy font, which I like. They don't do anything in, in shitty normal font. Mm-hmm. They do it all very in that yeah. Roman, very nice font. Striking. Uh, com. Very straightforward to find out about their brewery. Yeah. I hate the smell of this beer, but I like the taste of this beer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very weird. Um, spear is not. Discrepancy. Oh, it is. I just smell it again. It is getting worse as it gets. <laughs> but the taste keeps staying great. And not yes. every beer smells good. It's true. It's weird. I don't think, but I, I don't think we've really chosen too many beers that don't smell good in the podcast. But yet in the wild, we experience a lot of those kind of beers. That's also, that we yeah. like and they don't smell good. Yeah. But this is one of the first ones on the cast, I think, where it's like right out the nose. Oof. Don't smell it. Just drink it. <laughs> now. Now. We look for the blood orange. Mm. I got nothing. Oh. I am getting a slight, like, I am getting that slight citrusy tang, but I, I wouldn't. Do you think that's lime? I don't think so. See, neither do I. I could see orange, but not blood orange. I don't even think I can see orange. I can see the mango. I can see the mango as it gets a little warmer and the taste kind of come out. I can kind of see the mango. Uh, I can. I, the plum is just like right off the. I, yeah. I love that it's plum first. So few beers are plum first. Plum forward. And I love plum. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. that's awesome. It is awesome. Hazy, not too strong, plum finish, bad smell. That's fine, though. Because <laughs> uh, it's great with food. You know, my only complaint is I can't taste the rosemary or the... I, any, they don't claim we, that you can, though, on the beer can. That's though, the thing, so. though, is those those are the notes from the hops itself. Right. They don't claim that we can taste that. So I'm not going to knock them for that. Is that some farmer chewing a straight up hop and going, probably yep, this tastes like basil and rosemary yeah, it's and like thyme. The, it's like the sommeliers that go, mm, this tastes like gravel and soil and <laughs> like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> soil with an elevation of... 337,000 feet. feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, they're right on the nose of the plums. Yeah. Which is great. I would drink another. But, but not would, tonight. I would have to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what you got? That's what I got. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackandwhenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at crackandwhenopen or shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions or suggestions because we always want to hear from you. What else you got to plug? What do I got to plug? I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about it, or maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own Forgotten Gem. Uh, we're available on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com, Forgotten Cinema Pod on the social medias. We're available wherever you get your podcasts and 
just like this podcast right here. We're available on ForgottenEntertainment.com because we are all part of the Forgotten Entertainment family, where you can check out a bunch of other podcasts as well to suit all your other interests. They're all great. Check them out. And while you're checking stuff out, check out my audiobooks. I'm on audible.com, Michael Butler. I'm really going to try hard this year to get out of my day job and do a lot of stuff with Audible and other voiceover work, but mostly Audible. But on Audible, I don't make money unless you guys buy the books. So go on Audible and buy those books. Right now, they're mostly horror stories, mostly kind of hardcore horror stories. But I do have The Final Girl, which is like an 80s horror movie in a book form, which is really, really good. I've got Switch Art Fucking Gangsters, which is like a Guy Ritchie art theft novel where I do a whole bunch of British accents, which is really fun. I've got Sour which is like an Appalachian fairy tale meets the evil dead where I do a bunch of Southern accents. I do a bunch of really fun books like that. And I've got Vacation Planet, which is like a sci-fi story, which the sequel should be coming out sometime this year. I've been told that I'm doing that. So that will (laughs) happen. So check those books out. I've also got The Murder of Kelly Christopher. If you like mystery novels, it's about a podcaster who tries to find out what happened to his favorite horror movie actress. It's a, a mystery novel about a podcaster. So why not listen to that again? To get me money and also entertain you. And that's all I got. All right. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Cheers. Till next time. <laughs> ah. Ooh. That was a good clink. We did it. Ah.